Hey, thank you guys for listening to Middle Aged and Mediocre. We are back. I'm Cash. I'm Joel. That's Joel. That's Cash. Uh, I'm Cash. We took a week off. Yep. I think it was a week. Feels like it's been six months. Feels like like it's been a little while. Yeah, yeah. But I think it's only been a week. We missed because of Christmas. I think it's, yeah, just a week. Yeah, Christmas and New Year's and stuff. We're back. We survived the holidays. Uh, As mediocre as ever. It was, yep. A new decade of it. A new decade of 2020. Mediocre. We're, we're older. Yep. We're wiser. Well, I mean, older. Older. For sure. Yeah. Definitely. More mediocre. Yes. I'd say we, like, definitely upped the mediocrity. I'm 90% mediocre right now. Not bad. Like, some people are like 70% water. Right? I'm I think 90, most people. I'm 90%. Some people. Some people. <laughs> not vampires, okay? You got not me. Them. You got me there. <laughs> yep. I can't argue that. Oh, but so yeah, so we, uh,. This this is episode <laughs> eleven, I believe. Wow, I might be wrong. Probably, I don't know. Probably is. I don't have time to research this shit. No. So I'm cheating tonight. Uh, thank you to the uh, crime library. Mm-hmm. That's a site that I found this story on because I did not have time to do a ton of research. I know the story. I know. I know about it. Yeah. Like I read about it before. Is it someone that you killed? And it's a story about that. This is my personal diary. <laughs> Good. <laughs> so. Uh, yeah, but we'll get into we'll get into my confession later. Good. Um, we're gonna start doing some segments, and we'll, you know, like I I wish I was prepared more to where I had like cool segment intro sound effects, sound effects and stuff. Yeah. So we'll work on those. We'll see how they go. What's Joe got going on? Going on? What's Joe got going on? <laughs> I like that. That was good. Thank you. So what do you got going on, Joe? Um, hey, we had a podcast called What's Going yeah, On once. We did. That was. Yeah, that was a podcast called "What's Going On." So that was a podcast. Called. So uh, I figured since last time you tried to um, bamboozle ya, bamboozle and hoodwink me, yep. with trying to tell me all about the Die Hard story. Yeah, yeah. Man, I thought I had. You. And I mean, I've watched a few films in my up day. until I started talking. I think I had you <laughs> until you opened your mouth. <laughs> yep. I was like, I don't, I don't know what he's talking about yet. But that was kind of fun how I like described the movie. So, what we're going to do is you've described a movie, and we're going to see if I can figure out what movie it is, based on your description. Based on how I describe the movie. Now, you said you didn't want me to guess. Yeah, I don't know. We'll play it by ear. Okay. I don't... Whatever you think. I'll I'll, I'll give it... I'll I'll let it breathe a little bit. Let it breathe. Let it breathe. Let it breathe. Should I start? Yeah, start. Okay. What are we calling? Do we have a segment Um, name? If anybody has any suggestions for segment (laughs) names... After you hear this episode, let us know. Yeah, let us know. I'll start working on sound effects. Yeah. And intros. And I'll, yeah. I'll sing songs. All right, this the first one of whatever the unnamed segment of this one. Um, it's about a small gang in New York City. Okay. Okay. As the movie begins, the leader smuggles out some sensitive government property from where he works. Okay. And a member of the gang on a solo mission actually kills a New York City police officer. Okay. And the, he's arrested and sent to jail. All right, I still don't know what it is yet. So the other members have to scramble to get bell money together to help get their cop killer friend out of jail. You know, before he goes to trial and it's too late. Like, you know, they're on bail first. Right. Before long, the gang encounters another gang, and they get into a fight over turf. Okay. So all this is going on. Okay. I think I might know what this is. <laughs> Keep going. 
the leader has to juggle the friend being arrested, the impending turf war, and there's also a nice little surprising new love interest. Can I ask a is this does this movie does this movie take this movie come out in the seventies? No. It did not. Nope. Okay. Nineties. In the nineties. Yes. Okay. So the gang is then busted by the cops and forced to wear a wire on the opposing gang and the gang's leader towards the end of the movie, which turns into a real life and death situation. Wow, I uh so there's a gang. They're doing some stuff. Somebody takes City. some government property. Yep. Member kills a one of the gang members. Kills a New York City police officer. Is arrested. The rest of the remaining members need to scramble together to try to get money for bail. I feel like I'm trying to think of a serious movie, <laughs> and that it's going to be a comedy somehow. Um. Let's see. They're arrested. They takes- have to go undercover. I have to go undercover. I'm going to be very mad when... <laughs> you probably will be. They go, I feel like I can just say one thing and you'll get it. They go undercover. I guess... The cop getting killed throwing me off. Yeah. That's a big plot point right there. Because, like, I want to say it's a comedy or, like, an animated movie. Yeah. But a cop dies? A cop dies. Can I ask how the cop dies? Eats way too much junk food. <laughs> Eats way too much junk... Wait, that's how the guy kills him? Yep. That's how the cop gets killed. <laughs> how do you know? Abracadabra, yo. Oh. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's half-baked. Half-baked! Okay, the gang thing was throwing me off. I know, I wanted to change it to make it so it wouldn't be easy. I was thinking like, I was thinking like, yeah, like a gang of pals. Okay, that's a good one. That was a good one. It's a good start. So go watch uh, Half Baked now. That's yeah, that's a great movie. Really I is. just was trying to think of uh, what gang. I thought you were talking about the Warriors. <laughs> yeah, I, that's why I said gang. I was like, I got to change it up a little bit. That was good. And he smuggles out government property, the weed he, he does. Yep. I kept. I thought when you said like smuggles out government property, and there was one other point, the love interest thing. Yeah. And I thought Half Baked, but then I was like, well, there's not gangs. <laughs> so, and then the undercover thing. Yeah, all right, good. Sure. That was good. I mean, it I, took me a while. It took I me a while. it up with the gang. Take I cheated. Me. No, that's fine. That's I'm what it's supposed to be. Time. Good. If you're not cheating, you're not trying. It took me a lot longer than I expected <laughs> it to take me, but that's good. Uh, so I was really worried, like, you were going to be like, this movie takes place in whatever. And I was like, it's this. Yeah. When you first said. <laughs> Rollerball. When you first said gangs in New York, I was just going to say, is it gangs in New York? <laughs> is it gangs of New York? <laughs> It's diehard. It's diehard. <laughs> when you said that the cop died of eating too much junk food, I thought I would have given. I immediately away. started thinking of Carl Winslow in Die Hard, <laughs> yeah. eating all the yeah. things, and I was like, "Is he? Did he find a movie with Carl Winslow Actually, where his were her first pregnant wife?" That's right. You're yeah. right. The, but the guy a, I thought. But then isn't he in the car eating one? Yeah, I think he is. Yeah, they're not for his pregnant. Pretty fat. He told the guy. <laughs> oh, he told the guy. The guy. <laughs> he told you too. I'm so believing. I was like, Carl's such a good guy. He bought things for his wife, and then he he deserved everything he got in that. Well, movie. see, here's the thing. If if the movie did like a different take, and you see the life of Carl Winslow's character, yeah, he doesn't even. Al Powell doesn't have a wife. Oh. There is no wife. No. So he just works. It's like a pile of clothes he calls. He's not even a cop anymore. (laughs) He was fired months ago. He has that car. He killed the kid. Yeah. Yeah. He shot a kid dead. 
Because he had a squirt gun. Or, it looked so real. Well, he saves the day at the end, though. Yep. Kills fucking Carl. And that's that's the. I think that's the point of Die Hard is no matter how many people cops kill, they're still a hero. As long as you kill a foreigner. Yep, as long at as some kill, point. As long as the last person you kill it's is foreign. a foreigner, kill whoever you want. That's right. The more you know. It really is a Christmas movie. <laughs> it's. <laughs> and God bless everyone. <laughs> All right. Well, I got a. I got a segment <clears throat> before we get into the main. The main story here. The main course. I got a little segment. I'm trying to think of a name. I'm I'm just kind of like uh, kicking some ideas around my head. I Steve. think it's gonna be called Steve. Cool. The segment's gonna be called Steve Cool. <laughs> uh, the segment name I'm thinking of is uh, "You did some dumb shit and now you're dead." Okay. I think maybe somewhere along those lines. So this is gonna be people like hearing about death. Yeah. I mean, the uh, the emu episode. Nobody, no humans died, and it got less listens than where humans died. So, we've heard you, audience. No more stupid birds. From now on, only humans die. Good. So, you sick (laughs) fucking people. So, uh, this is just going to be quick. Uh, You did some dumb shit, and now you're dead. In 1957, someone brought a 30-inch snake... To the Chicago Natural History Museum. And they wanted uh, help identifying the snake. Now, do you know what a herpetologist is? It, it, it sounds like my first girlfriend. Sounds like, I you know, know. Herpes? It is a uh, zoologist that uh, studies reptiles and amphibians. Okay. So, not a herpy doctor. Not a herpy But doctor. a herpetologist. What if a snake has herpes? Well, let me... Okay. I mean, oh, is that how it dies? It, no, it's not actually, but <laughs> okay, go there on. are some sexual... You know what? We'll get to it. Uh, <laughs> so, at the Chicago Natural History Museum, Carl P. Schmidt worked there. and He was apparently a famous herpetologist. I've heard of him. You've, right. He's my third favorite herpetologist. <laughs> yeah. Who's your first two? I'm not gonna. I don't You're not gonna get into it. it. Yeah, not right now. All right. Well, I mean, I'll just go off on a whole tangent, and we've already had one segment with me, so let's. Hear we'll about, be out here all well, night. Let's hear about your little snake. Okay? Just fucking listing out our <laughs> yeah. favorite herpetologists, and plus, I mean, that's such an objective <laughs> thing to list out. It is. Who can say who's better? Carl well, P. Can. Schmidt was pretty good. There. <laughs> third Schmitty was good. Third of all time. Uh, he agreed to take a look at the snake, and <laughs> so that line finally worked. The hey, I got this giant snake in my pants. Yeah. Like, you, yeah, I'll uh, take a look. I'll look at that snake. <laughs> so he was actually so good at what he did that uh, he had a lot of species named after him. Oh, yeah. So dude knows what he's up to. So on September 25th, uh, Carl P. Schmidt took a look at this snake and noted that it was African. So that's racist that he just assumed. <laughs> it was covered in brightly colored patterns and had a head shape similar similar to that of a boomslang snake. Ooh. Which is a type of venomous snake found in sub-Saharan Africa. Yep. Schmidt, however, had his doubts about it actually being a boomslang, because as he recorded in his journal, the snake's anal plate was undivided. Now, what do you know about anal plates, Joel? <laughs> I know you have to wash and dry them before you put them away. That's true. Yeah. Now, and I only bring my anal plates out for the really good company. Now, an undivided <laughs> anal plate. Seems like you're going to run into some issues, right? 
You got to divide them. You need the division. <laughs> yeah. You got, you got things you need to let slide that out. Anal plate just go crazy. I hear you. I hear you. An unchecked anal plate? You're asking for it. If I had a dollar for every time <laughs> I've had to tell somebody that. So, yeah, this snake doesn't have an anal plate that's un- that's divided. Oh, that's poor So, he, it's not a boom slang snake. Yeah. So, instead, uh, the next step that he took would actually end up being responsible for ending his life. He picked the snake up for closer examination, and as he was puzzling over the specimen's unusual characteristic, his anal plates, <laughs> his ass. Uh, the snake suddenly darted out and bit him on his left thumb, Ooh. leaving two three-millimeter deep bloody puncture wounds. Schmidt began sucking on the wounds, like you do when a snake yeah. bites you, uh, and instead of seeking medical attention, he just returned to his journal and began recording the effects the venom was having on him. Within 24 hours, he would be pronounced dead. So, uh, here's what's really ridiculous about this. We have the journal entries. Okay. So, let me read these to you. Uh, 4.30 to 5.30 p.m. Strong nausea, but with no vomiting. During a trip to Homewood, went on a suburban train. It's a nice little, it's a nice hour. He took his snake bite for a little train ride. It's a nice way to spend an hour. Sure. 5.30 to 6.30. Strong chill and shaking, followed by fever of 101.7. Bleeding of mucous membranes in the mouth began about 5.30, apparently mostly from gums. Okay. Train ride's getting a little (laughs) bad. 8.30 p.m. Ate two pieces of milk toast. Milk toast? What is milk toast? (laughs) That's just bread dipped in milk? Do you let milk get so old that it becomes, like, curled? 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 It's two separate words on here. It's milk, it? milk toast. toast. We need to do an episode about milk toast. <sighs> Apparently so. 9 o'clock to 12.20 a.m. Slept well. Urination at 12.20 a.m. Mostly blood. <laughs> Mostly? <laughs> hey, I like to think my urine stream is 50% blood, 50% urine, you know? I mean, that's a good ratio right yeah. there. But you don't want mostly blood. No, you don't. That's bad. Took a glass of water at 4.30 a.m., followed by violent nausea and vomiting. The contents of the stomach being the un- undigested supper. Felt- Goddamn milk toast. The milk toast is not coming. <laughs> he it's not staying down. It. He rendered that milk toast. He felt much better and slept until 6.30 a.m. Uh, so he slept for a while. He got up, ate breakfast, and then continued recording uh, in his journal. Instead of, you know, Boy, you're pissing blood. Yeah. You're throwing up. Your gums are bleeding. Go find a doctor. And he's just like, I'm going to just chill. I'm riding this out. So, next day, 6.30 a.m., his temperature had dropped to 98.2. I don't know what a healthy temperature is. I forget now. I think it's 99. It's like he's going high and then low. That's not good. Uh, He ate some cereal and poached eggs on toast. Motherfucker's poaching eggs. Yeah. So, that's ridiculous. I'm glad he's dead. Did he run out of milk toast? Apparently so. Uh, he had applesauce and coffee as well. It's a big breakfast. Especially when you're throwing up. Yeah. No urine with an ounce or so of blood. Or no urine with an ounce or so of blood about every three hours. So he's just pissing blood. Stray blood now. Stray blood. And still, Ugh. not going to the doctor. I'm write about it. Just, let me take some notes here. <laughs> Mouth and nose continuing to bleed, but not excessively. So, you know, whatever. What's a little bit of blood? And the word excessively was the last word entered into his diary. 
after lunch, about 1.30 p.m., he vomited and called his wife. By the time help arrived, he was unresponsive, covered in sweat, and unable to talk. The physician was called, resuscitation was attempted, and by 3 p.m., he was pronounced dead from respiration paralysis. Boom's, boom slaying venom acts quickly. Just .0006 milligrams of it can kill a bird in a few minutes. The venom causes disseminated intravascular coagulation, essentially making victims bleed to death. Through your pee hole. Through your pee hole. This is the perfect time to talk about pee so, holes! We're not going to go an episode without pee hole oh talk. Oh my god. We're just not. You just laughed me right in the face <sighs> with that pee hole. Look, we have standards here. <laughs> if we miss, we will not miss a pee hole conversation. I guarantee it. According to his autopsy report, his lungs were bleeding, his eyes were bleeding. His heart, kidneys, and brain were bleeding. His blood was bleeding. His blood <laughs> had developed his own blood. Yes. Uh, oh, man. He was advised to seek medical help just hours before he died, but he refused, saying, no, that would upset the symptoms. <laughs> so, I don't want to interfere with nature. I mean... So so they I were, have no Carl that brought the snake. That guy feels the like... The guy that brought the snake? Yeah, they should, like... Someone should kill him now. I mean, someone just brought the snake to Carl. Yeah, I'll call it Carl. Carl Carl was the herpetologist. Yeah, that's right. And I mean, this dude, he was dedicated to his job. That's why I'm glad I have Netflix. Because I feel like if I didn't have Netflix, I would be looking at snakes' asses. Anal plates? Anal plates. Yeah, see if they're divided or not. I'd get bit on my thumb. I mean, so I'm glad. Yeah, Netflix saves lives. Yep. So, Netflix, don't look at anal plates. (laughs) You want to come over to Netflix and don't look at anal plates? (laughs) I don't, but what I do want to do is uh, take an ad break real quick and get paid. That's what we need. We need that money. Yeah. So we'll be right back. That pee hole money. And we'll be getting to uh, the main murder that you all love and crave, the death of humans. All right, so if you could pee from, I'm sorry, not pee, if you could bleed from the pee hole or your eyes, which one are you choosing? And I'm just talking like go blood just pouring yeah. out. I, I'd go with my eyes just because I think that would look cool. <laughs> Very you know? goth of you. Yeah, it would, right? Yeah. Like, I, I, I want to bleed from the eyes and just go places and act like nothing's wrong. Well, we can make that happen. I'll, like, go up to the counter and buy, like, a thing of Visine. And I'm like, hey, they said this will work. <laughs> you think this is going to be good? <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, it looked cool though, right? The Visine, I drank a whole bottle once. My eyes were still red. I don't get it. That's bullshit, then. You need, did you send it back? Yep. Yeah, well, all right. It was like 59 cents, I think. <laughs> I don't know what my zine costs. Probably way more than 59 cents. Glad this isn't Price is Right. I don't do my own shopping. Are you <laughs> yeah. kidding me? Okay. Right. So, here we go. Uh, before I really get into the story, I do want to say that uh, if you lived in the 1920s okay. and didn't get murdered, it was a fucking miracle. Congratulations. Uh, I'm not trying to, like, just do murder stories from the 1920s, but all the murders took place in the 1920s, <laughs> and none of them were solved. They, so, like, like we said before, unless you caught somebody in the act of murdering, or you went to someone and be like, hey, I just murdered this guy, you're not getting caught. And I mean, I don't know necessarily about this story, but it's like a lot of them I found, you could do both. Like, you could go tell them, like, hey, I did that, or you could be caught doing it. 
you're probably still not getting arrested. Uh, and they're still going to be like, we don't know what happened. Nowadays, you can't kill anybody without getting in trouble. Lord knows I've tried. I know. Oh, better times, my friend. Yep. Better times. Yep. If we ever get a time machine, <laughs> we're going back to 1920s. <laughs> Just to kill. <laughs> Just to fucking kill. I think war movie. Yeah. Like a time to kill, motherfuckers. So, uh, yeah, we're in 1922. Okay. 98 years ago. Yeah. 98 years ago. Good Lord. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. No? No? 8, 9, 10. That'd make it 2,000. I make don't it, know. I think we're 30. I think it's 90, <laughs> 9, 10, 11. I don't we're know. Off the rails. I don't know, man. I can't remember what you said. 88 years would make it 2,000. So then add 20 more years. 108 years. 108 years ago. 108 years ago. This is 2020. <laughs> it is? Since you work at like an eyeglasses place or whatever. Yeah. It's like the 2020 thing. Like the best joke ever for you guys like no one said it today luckily you guys need to step your game up i'll kill you've had two days i will kill anybody who comes in and says anything about 2020 it's like i mean you should i can't believe you haven't already read the joke <laughs> you know i haven't you haven't okay well just, uh, all right huh. sorry i only didn't enjoy, mean to bring it up i only enjoy good jokes well all right i mean <laughs> i guess that's your new year's resolution Okay, around 10 a.m. on the morning of September 16th, 1922. 108 years ago. 108 years ago. 15-year-old Pearl Bomber and 23-year-old Raymond Schneider were on a date in New Brunswick, New Jersey. 15 Let's just back up real quick. Yeah, let's... All right, so usually, I mean, we're just talking about murders, but, uh, good God. Was it the chick's dad murdering the 23-year-old? This time, I don't think there's any incest. But, but, yeah. I mean, if I found out my 15-year-old daughter was on a date with a 23-year-old guy. These were the 20s. Different times, Joel. Yeah. Apparently. You just wanted to get that, yeah. Eight-year difference. 15 and 23 years. Okay. New Brunswick, New Jersey. Fucking just the hellhole of America. They were walking on an undeveloped land road and started down an isolated driveway. And were just kind of talking together. Just uh, They had apparently been having a fight the night before. And they seem to have gotten past it, if their story is to be believed. Yes. So, you know, hard for a 15-year-old and a 23-year-old not to fight. Because that sounds like a really fun date. Hard to relate to each other, I would, I would <laughs> an, think. An uh, uh, undeveloped road. <laughs> Just, well, they were headed towards a an uh, old abandoned farm so for some privacy. For fucking. For some statutory rape. Yeah. Is what we call that now. Uh, yeah, I can't imagine, like, I mean, I know now, like, uh, like everybody that's always... You know, younger girls, like 18, 19 year olds, mm-hmm. or whatever. 36 years old, I do not want to fucking date or no. be around uh-uh. an 18 year old girl. Nope. Or like, like give me like a 40 year old, I think, at this point. <laughs> like, 30 maybe. 30-ish. Yeah. Somewhere, yeah. How these dudes that are like 60 or 70 date like 18 year olds and 19 year olds. Like those rich guys. I mean, yeah. I guess they're, you know, whatever. They're probably not dating them. No. But still, just. Ain't just... my sleeping going on. <laughs> <laughs> Gross. Pearl noticed something odd. She was in a relationship with... No, that's not what... Uh, <laughs> near a small crab apple tree, she saw something lying at the edge of the road. She stopped to get a better look and all of a sudden realized and told Ray there are two people lying there. As they walked closer, they saw the couple on the ground, a man and a woman, both face up and fully clothed. Neither were breathing and it looked pretty bad. Ray wanted to get the hell out of there, but... Uh, they ran to the nearby home of Edward Stryker, where the police were contacted. 
Again, 1920, so if you're a 23-year-old dating a 15-year-old, you can still call the cops. Yeah. Like, no fear of that. Um, it's just normal business. So let me show you real quick uh, what the what these two lovers walked upon. Oh, good. This is what they stumbled oh, God, on. I'm dead. So right there are the bodies. He's got hot over That's how face. they were laid. Okay. The hat over the face tells me that the killer probably knew him. And covered up his face because he didn't want to look. The killer didn't want to look down there and see that. Okay, all right. Uh, however, the face could also mean shoddy police work where they cover up the face. Oh yeah. Because it was a gross thing to look at. They knew in 108 years that a podcast would be talking about this. Here's the like, police gathered around looking. That guy's fucking pretty cool there in the back. A dude right there. He knows yeah. there's a picture being taken. Yeah, he does. He's the only one that's paying attention. <laughs> He's like, oh shit, let me look, let me look like I'm badass here. He kind of looks like uh, uh, who was uh, remember the show Coach? Yeah, he Craig does. T. Nelson. Craig T. Nelson. That's Craig T. Nelson right I there. Greg, but it's Craig. whatever. It doesn't yeah. matter. You got the T. Nelson part right. That's his dad. Kind of looks like a mix between him and uh, Bill Maher. What's that say? Actual scene showing where. Mm, dead bodies of Reverend Hall and something Mills were found. Okay. Note the bloody legs. Well, I can't see their legs. Yep. But okay, I believe you. So well, yeah, that's uh. Some blood all over their legs. Probably, probably got bit by a snake. Probably. And here's uh, what the Aww. two dead people look like. All that's right. the Reverend Mills there, and that's his uh, his lady friend. That's weird that she's not a 12-year-old boy. I know. It is weird. Huh. Yeah. Not everybody in the 1920s were awful. <laughs> um, Lieutenant Dwyer took the call and ordered Patrolman Edward Garr- Garrigan, not Irish at all, to investigate. Officer James Kerr accompanied him. They soon reached the scene where horrified discovered the bodies laying dead on their backs. Both had been shot in the head. Ooh. The man once and the woman three times. That's, so That's a crime of passion right yeah. there. Her wounds were under the right eye, over the right temple, and over the right ear, with an exit wound in the back of her skull. He'd been shot over the right ear with an exit wound in the back of his neck, as if someone had shot him from above. So, uh, probably a pretty good chance that they were sitting down, maybe? Or it was Yao Ming. Or Yao Ming. One of the two. Yes. Yeah. So, I think they were maybe sitting down. Yeah, kneeling maybe. Killer came up to the... Or what uh, if she was kneeled down and he was standing? Ooh. You mean like proposing to him? She was proposing to him. <laughs> yeah. Proposing to suck that Oh, dead. why'd you have to talk ill of the dead? Oh, the feet of both were pointing towards the crabapple tree. And the woman's head rested on the man's right arm as if posed that way for a particular reason. The woman wore a blue dress with red polka dots, black silk stockings, and brown Oxfords. I love what just they call shoes like Oxfords and yeah. just don't say shoes. I like black silk stockings. I'm wearing a pair right now. I thought your legs looked slimmer. <laughs> um, Thank you. You're welcome. Uh, a brown silk scarf was also uh, around her neck, but it was soaked in blood and was wound around her throat. Maybe that's how she wears it. Maybe while she was doing the BJ. Yeah. She likes a little choking. Maybe. You know, just because nineteen judging. Just because 1922 doesn't mean they're all prudes. 108 years ago. Yeah. You're just going to keep saying that now that you know it. Uh, let's see here. Under the hat's rim. Wait a minute. I skipped ahead a little I think bit. it is 98 years ago. 
<laughs> Sorry, come on. Nine, no. Eight, nine, yep, you're right. 98. Okay. 9, 10, 11. Then the 8, 8, 9, 10. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> All right, sorry. You got one over on me. So she's on her knees sucking dick, getting, getting, her, getting choked out. This microphone is not cooperating. There we go. Okay. Um. Yeah, so she's, yeah, we're not, we don't know if that's what happened. <laughs> uh, the man's face was covered by a Panama hat. So there you go. It was placed there See? by the killer. I always assume the cops did it. Um, but they could see that he wore glasses. What does that mean? How would that... If the hat's on his face, how do they know he wore glasses? I'm already seeing some holes in this story. Yeah, the guy's head. (laughs) Oh. Just under the hat's rim, it was clear that the glasses were spotted. Okay. His right hand was extended partly under the dead woman's shoulder and neck, and their clothes were in perfect order. Scattered pieces of torn paper, which turned out to be letters and cards, lay between them. The woman's hat lay off to her right. The strangest thing was a small card leaning against the heel of the man's left shoe, obviously placed there by whoever had killed the two. It was speckled with something, either fly droppings or blood. The grass around them was trampled. Fly Fly droppings? droppings? I've never seen fly droppings. Yeah, I don't know. That's very specific and weird. I'm going to go to Walmart and be like, hey, where are you going to keep your fly (laughs) droppings? I gotta murder some motherfuckers. Yeah, I don't know what a fly dropping like. Who knows how many fly? Is is that fly dropping? Who knows how many fly droppings we've seen in our life, and we just didn't know. Yeah, how many have you eaten? A lot. A lot. Yeah, a lot. I got six flies in my pocket right now. You gotta quit carrying on dead flies. (laughs) How else am I gonna get them droppings? (laughs) Coran went to call it in while Garrigan, Garrigan, again, Irish as shit. Yeah. Garrigan, I can't do an Irish accent, made a closer inspection of the scene. He saw that the woman's throat was a mass of maggots Ooh. from ear to ear, but he did not touch her. I like how it says, but he did not touch her. <laughs> I feel like, like he did. Like, that's why else would he write that? Like, hey, I didn't touch her maggot-filled <laughs> neck, okay? Yeah, I don't know, like, who, like, why they wrote it that way, but, like, it sounds like they were, sub- they're like, he didn't touch it, though. Yeah. It was weird. Like... You know, you see a throw full of maggots, you, you want to touch all. it. Yeah, you want to get, like, slip a finger in there. Well, yeah, you want to see what it feels like. Uh, he found a man's wallet lying open on the ground, and inside was a driver's license belonging to Edward Wheeler Hall, 41, of New Brunswick. <laughs> Very shortly after, Albert J. Cardinal of the New Brunswick Daily Home News arrived. He asked if he could pick up the card at the foot of the male corpse, and Garrigan granted permission. <laughs> Sure, reporter. It was the first of a multitude of errors made in handling the evidence. It was the business card of the Reverend Edward W. Hall, uh, the pastor of the Episcopal Church of St. John the Evangelist (coughs) in New Brunswick. So that's our male victim, is the the Reverend Edward W. Hall. Coran stopped a motorist and asked if he knew this minister. The driver... Dr. E. Leon LeBlain said that he did, which that's all right. Lucky break there. Uh, so he, they're, they're on a road that's like undeveloped. There's just like cars driving by. And they're like, hey, you know yeah, this dead body? Yeah. So, <laughs> hey, you. Don't touch that throat filled with maggots. But anything else. Pick up that car. Through, yeah. Take a look at it. Wipe off those fly <laughs> droppings. Uh, 
I wish I was a cop in the twenties, man. It would just have to have been like the easiest. You didn't have job. to be doing your job at all. You just had to like show up. Just look really mad when you be, can't figure stuff out. You mainly needed to be Irish. Yeah. I mean that helped. I like potatoes. There <laughs> you go. Uh, I'm offended by that, but there you go. Uh, Do you not like potatoes? No, it's just a stereotype that oh, you know. Like, okay. You know. But Irish people are white, so you can't really stereotype against white people. That's true. Okay. Yeah. So it's okay. Kill whitey. Uh. <laughs> The driver returned with Koran to take a look at the body, and he affirmed, confirmed, that the dead man was Reverend Hall. By this time, spectators had arrived, and Garrigan could not control the scene. Fucking Garrigan. <laughs> I quit eating potatoes. <laughs> Who sent this asshole? The crab apple tree was soon stripped of much of its bark for souvenirs. <laughs> I don't know. The 1920s were... A weird time. Like, what if someone got back? They're like, were you at the murder scene? Like, yeah. Here's my bark. Did you get bark? No, it was already all gone. (laughs) I took one of their eyeballs, though. So, you know. (laughs) The cop gave it to me. The underbrush was trampled, and even the card had been passed from hand to hand. (laughs) A thirty-two caliber cartridge case was discovered near the bodies, as well as a two-foot piece of iron pipe. The torn papers turn out to be love letters yep. that begin to tell a sordid tale of secrecy and adultery driven by an idealistic romance. Around 2 o'clock, about three and a half hours after the discovery, the Undertaker arrived, not the wrestler. Bong! <laughs> oh, my Undertaker! <laughs> That'd be my first suspect. Yeah. It's the fucking Undertaker and this weird guy yelling with an urn. Uh, let me see. He examined the victims and found in Hall's pockets 61 cents and change and two handkerchiefs. Then he took the bodies to his hearse. The estimated time of death was some 36 hours earlier, which meant that no one had noticed him in a day and a half. That was considered odd, since this was a lover's lane, and it should have been a l- very active on a Friday night. Mm-hmm. There were some very active babies getting made. Yeah. Unwanted babies. Just more murders. Uh, There was some suggestion that people, in fact, had found them, failed to report the discovery, and corrupted the crime scene, perhaps even stealing money and other articles of personal belongings. You know how people are. Awful. At the morgue, as the undertaker removed the dead man's coat, a bullet fell to the floor. He also noticed some discoloration on the man's right hand. The woman, not yet identified, had been shot between the eyes, and her throat had been cut from ear to ear. There was a small wound on her upper lip, and her arm had been bruised. Bruised on the arm? You know, in comparison... All the other stuff, I can, I can put it up. You can live with. Don't bruise a chick's arm, man. That's right, I hear you. God. Uh, that evening, another Undertaker... So the original Undertaker that showed up was actually from a different county. So now... A second Undertaker has shown up? Yeah. Isn't this how SummerSlam... That's like, some 90... Four? Five? Four, maybe? Yeah, 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 yeah. Brian Lee was the other one. Oh. <laughs> so, we've got a we've got a, uh, a little bit of backstory to that Survivor Series yeah, now. Yeah, do. About time, SummerSlam, whatever it was. Um, But he picked up Reverend Hall and left the woman behind. So, uh, since she wasn't identified yet, they really didn't know where she was from. Reverend Hall was from Chicks, New Brunswick. Man, you know, you know. be getting killed all the time. That's right. Yeah. So, uh, the letters had been torn up and scattered between the corpses, or the letters that had been torn up and scattered between the corpses were written in pencil by a woman 
with wildly romantic sentiments. She promised her love to him forever and said things like, Oh, honey, I am fiery today. Ooh. Burning, flaming love. God damn. So she's got you know an S- I would give for a chick to write a letter like that. Well, she's you? telling him she's got an STD. Oh. So, but still. She's upfront about it. But at still. Least. Yeah. I mean, it's romantic. Yeah. Called him honey. Honey. Whatever. Honey, honey. My pussy's burning. <laughs> well, that was the words. Is that all the words? No. I've been singing wrong all these years. Most of the people in Reverend Hall's parish knew before it was made official who the unidentified woman was. It was Miss Eleanor R. Mills, 34, a choir singer, and the wife of James Mills. Their affair had been rather obvious over the past four years. Uh, The Reverend had grown up in Brooklyn, getting his theological degree in Manhattan. Uh, They called him doctor, but he had no doctoral degree. I think we've established in the 20s that didn't matter. Maybe we haven't talked about that, but you could be a doctor. You could do that now. Just print one off of the internet. Um, He had been in New York uh, and arrived in New Jersey later, married a woman named Frances Stevens, back when women were named Frances. (laughs) She was... uh, she was a woman of wealth who was seven years older than him. That's the way you do it, buddy. Yeah. Uh, Cougar. That's right. Eleanor Mills, even if you have to name or be married to a Francis. Francis. Imagine, like, in the middle of them, but, like, doing it. like him, Sex? Him, like, get, like you know, like, yeah. oh, Francis. Oh, Franny. Oh, Franny. <laughs> Franny. Give me that fanny, Franny. <laughs> Eleanor Mills, or the corpse of Eleanor Mills, uh, had no personal papers or markings of any kind. The person who finally identified her was a reporter, Frank M. Diener, of the Daily Home News. He knew her and added that her husband was a school janitor. They had two children, Charlotte and Daniel. Uh, she was small, slender, and pretty. She had a passionate soul that was not satisfied by the frugal way she was forced to live with her unassuming husband, who was a decade older than her. Well, fuck her, then. Why did she get divorced? That's then? right, She's man. Not... Oh, let's Ooh. let's keep let's keep to the 1920s okay. and not the 2020s. Okay. So I'm just saying, if she ain't happy with her janitor husband. She ain't got to be out there fucking around on him. She can just be like, "Honey, I'm not happy." Okay. She didn't like that frugal lifestyle. She wants a she wants a rich, lavish lifestyle. And the Reverend here has a wife, has a lot of money. Two plus two equals these two are Legal banging. Slit throat, bitch. Okay. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> oh, Uncle Joel's a little sensitive, okay? Why are you Uncle Joel? I don't the know. The public interest of the case, as well as its scandalous nature, drew a legion of journalists in New Brunswick. The obvious chief suspects were the spouses of the slain couple. Oh, yeah. I mean, you know, they got together, tag team match out in the fucking abandoned field. Or Can farm field. Them? Can't you blame them? They won. They brought an iron pipe. Yep. You don't bring love letters to an iron pipe fight. <laughs> I've always said that. You don't. Uh, prior to her <laughs> marriage to the Reverend, Frances had lived with her mother and brother on 23 Nichols Avenue in New Brunswick. 23 Nichols? <laughs> N-I-C-H-O-L-S. Okay. Uh, her and the Reverend Hall moved in there after her mother died. She was related to the Johnson & Johnson Medical Supply Founders. Okay. So she had some money. Yeah. Um, several years into the marriage with the Reverend, she and her brothers had inherited around $2 million. That's a shitload of money in the 1920s. Like, I don't know how much, but a shitload. That's, yeah, that's probably, yeah. She claimed that she... comfortable. Yeah. 
I mean, Johnson Johnson, yeah, that's that's money. Uh, she claimed that she trusts her husband and did not know of the affair. No one noticed any bad blood between the two women, except for a few reports, and Miss Hall visited Mrs. Mills frequently during her convalescence from surgery, and even drove her home once from the hospital. This was just eight months before the murder. Mm. On Thursday at uh, the afternoon of September 14th, Frances had made preserves in her kitchen, jams and jellies, you know. Uh, she took a call from Eleanor Mills to leave a message for Dr. Hall. So that's September 14th. The bodies were found, what day? September 16th. Okay. So two days before, old Eleanor is calling the wife of the Reverend and leaving a message for him. Uh, that was at 6.30 that evening. She called again at 7. And then again, 20 to 8. Damn. She needs that dick. <laughs> she does. Uh, and Hall said he was going to go out and check on her. <laughs> She, she sounds fiery tonight. Yeah, yeah. She, yeah. Uh, I'm going to bless that pussy. And you know what he he told his wife that he was going to go check on uh, Eleanor's medical bills. Okay. Like, I'm just going to go look at him. Yeah. I, I better go look at him. <laughs> what? He's an expert eye. Didn't need very good lies back then. No. Uh, Francis played solitaire for the next two hours. <laughs> <laughs> Her brother, Willie who was 50, who could not live on his own, lived with them, came out of his room to say goodnight, and then she went to bed. And then Frances went to bed. At 2.30 a.m., she dressed and went to church in search of her missing husband, accompanied by Willie. The church was dark, so they walked past the Mills apartment, also dark. In the morning, Frances called the police and learned that no casualties had been reported. She did not leave her name, which would have serious repercussions. Then she continued to search for her missing husband. So this was two days before the body was found. So, but she didn't want to name him. Right. She didn't want to. She probably knew. She knew what was. She knew what was going on. She wouldn't embarrass herself. That's right. How people. That's how they are. Yeah, you know the rich. I'll embarrass myself, fucking any Richie Richies. Yeah. Uh, a reporter called on Saturday, which eventually led to the news of the discovery of the bodies. She believed that robbery was the motive, since Hall's gold watch was missing, and he had carried about fifty dollars in his wallet most of the time. So that was like. A thousand dollars. I have no idea what the. I don't know if that's true. Uh, let's see. James Mills, forty-five, was the acting sexton, which is not the thing you think it would be. A sexton. Yeah. It's like a religious thing. He gets to fuck anybody he wants. You would think that's what it means. Yeah. I bet that's why a lot of them take the job. Like, yeah, I won't be a sexton. Yeah, and then they get it. And they're like, what? When do, when, do, when do I start fucking? They're like, oh, you can never, never. fuck again ever. I don't know if that's true or not either, but <laughs> I don't exactly know hey, what sextons do. I'm a sexton then. There you go. <laughs> Sexton now is just like what you do on text. Yeah. Uh, he worked as a full-time janitor. So this is... Uh, is this uh, Eleanor's? Yeah, it's Eleanor's. Yeah, so this is Eleanor's husband, James. He's just trying to provide for his family. That's right, man. Oh, sorry, it's not all exciting. Okay, let's not go back there. Uh, he was hardworking, oh. but unambitious and lacked intelligence. He had married Eleanor when she was only 17. I mean... <laughs> Dude, like, what you know, you're getting what you you bought into here, yeah, really. I yeah. mean, uh, the ramshackle home was located five blocks from the Hall household. Hall was a frequent visitor, and Mills was flattered by the attention. He untruthfully claimed ignorance of the affair, saying that Reverend Hall was too good of a friend of mine. 
Hall had once even paid for some major surgery for Mrs. Mills when James was unable to do it. Mills cooperated completely with the initial interrogation, and he also believed that robbery had been the motive. Uh, his own movements during that time of the crime were as follows. He was sweeping up at St. John's at 5.45 on Thursday. He was late for dinner, arriving home at 6.15. Afterwards, he went out to the porch while his wife left the house to make a phone call to Reverend Hall. <laughs> she came back and left again, challenging him to follow her and find out when he inquired as to her destination. He kept working on the porch until 9.45, then read the paper. At 10.30, he went to the church for look, to look for his wife, stopping for some soda, mm-hmm. and arrived around 11. She was not there, so he went back home and went to bed. At 2 a.m., he went back to the church and failed to find her. 2 a, like They both went out around 2, 2 a.m., which was yeah. weird. Uh, the next morning, without reporting his wife was missing, he went to work. At 8.30, he went to the church and encountered Mrs. Hall, who mentioned that her husband had not come home the night before. He asked her whether she thought they had eloped. He claims that she replied, he claims that she replied, God knows, I think they're dead and can't come home. She contacted him several more times that day, Friday, and he replied that his wife had not yet returned. He says that she repeated again that they must be dead. He did notice a That's page. That's my first guess. Yeah, I mean, I'd usually, anything, yeah. if I haven't seen something in like 10 minutes, yeah. they're dead. They're dead. I, I assume you're dead until you get here every week. I, I assume I'm dead too. <laughs> there you go. Am I not? I don't know. I might be, too. Who can say who's a ghost? Um, this is also a podcast with two ghosts, so yeah, that's cool. cool. Yeah, so first time for that one. Um, he noticed a page of newspaper on the rector's desk. I don't know what a lot of these words mean, to be honest with you. Sextons and rectors? Rectors is where you fuck someone in the butt. Yeah, yeah, that's true. <laughs> I, I think you're right. So that was the desk that's for that. That's a piece of furniture just for that. It was a desk, desk for butt fucking. Yeah. So okay. You can, you can work on stuff and fuck a butt. That's... Smart. Twenties were That's a smart. Time, man. <laughs> a lot smarter back then. About their a lot more diligent. Simpler time. Simpler time. Focus on work. <laughs> Made America. Uh, it was missing from his own paper. Yeah, let's see if that anal plate was divided. Ugh. Call back. And contained an article on a prominent minister's views on divorce. Uh, Mills's daughter Christine confirmed that her mother had clipped the article from the newspaper, and had said she was taking it to the Reverend Hall. So. Uh, yeah, he found a, the piece of paper from the newspaper that had been cut out. About divorce. It was missing from his own paper, though. <laughs> so, I don't know what exactly. Somehow, yeah, there was a divorce thing there. He heard on Saturday after his lunch that the wife's body had been found, and he went directly to the Hall residence. The two other suspects at the time were the brothers of Mrs. Hall, Willie and Henry. Willie suffered from a mental disorder that prevented him from managing on his own, so he lived with his sister and her husband. He was impulsive, explosive, and somewhat reckless, but usually had a sunny disposition. That sounds like me. <laughs> well, that's the next part. Listen up, retard. He better. Don't say that. I'm sorry. He wore thick glasses and had a heavy walrus mustache. So if you grow that mustache oh. out, you're, you're, you're going to be Willie. Yeah, I got thick glasses. Most of his free time was spent at the fire station, playing cards and running errands, since he cannot fulfill his ambition of being a fireman. Oh, uh, he's one of those guys? Yeah, yeah. Like, if he was alive today, he'd probably, like, be a volunteer firefighter. And he would tell everyone. He'd have the siren on his car. Oh, yeah. And, like, his walkie-talkie so he could, like, hear the calls being sent out. And it'd be the first thing he said yeah. when he met somebody. We work for the fire department and volunteer. <laughs> he'd always wear the shirt. Always have the shirt yep. on. It's the only shirt he owns. <laughs> um, Tucks it in. <laughs> yes. Probably has suspenders. <laughs> uh... 
He claimed to have been in his room on Thursday evening going to bed between 8.30 and 9, but was later awakened. He walked his sister to the church at 2.30, past the Mills house, then went back home with her and returned to his home, his room. He admitted to owning a 32 caliber revolver, but he had not shot in over 10 years. The older brother, Henry, however, was a retired exhibition marksman. He lived 50 miles away in Lavalette on the Jersey Shore. He's guilty. It's from the Jersey Shore. He's guilty. He claimed to have been out... He claimed to have been out fishing when the murders took place, and he was not close with his sister anyways. However, there turned out later to have been eyewitness to the crime who placed him at the scene. Mm. The prosecutor also claimed later that it would take an expert marksman to place the shot so closely in Mrs. Mills' head, so he became a strong suspect. Other witnesses saw Eleanor Mills during the missing hours. John Meany was the motorman on the trolley that she boarded on Thursday night. She was the last passenger off and she walked towards where her body was found later. Uh, Agnes Bluest and her children also saw her on Easton Avenue. She'd been carrying a small package. Uh, and pretty much everyone that saw her, like, she was either... She was heading somewhere. Like, yeah. she was heading somewhere in particular. So, um... Let me skip. She was on mission. Yeah. A little yeah. destination. Uh, let me see. Let me go forward a little bit here. Okay. On September 17th, the day after the bodies were discovered, the prosecutor said he had a solid lead. He figured the two victims had been killed by a jealous couple in the Lover's Lane area. So, another couple had seen him and been like, oh no, we love each other way more <laughs> yeah. than you two. Because that's how that works. Uh, then on Monday, the investigation. We've been cheating on our spouses way, <laughs> way better than you, guys. than you guys are doing it. Uh, we fuck each other when they're in the house. <laughs> We make them watch. Amateurs. The, on Monday, the investigation was, transfer, was transferred to Joseph E. Stricker's office in New Brunswick since it was theorized that the couple had been killed over the county line and then dumped back in the you know county that it was. So the murder had actually taken place in a different county is what they're saying. It's like an episode of Silk Stockings. Pretty much. Wow. As far as I know, I never actually watched much of it. Always wanted to. Seemed a bit too good up for me. <laughs> Nearly two weeks went by without a break, so Beekman decided to take a more active role. He wanted to exhume Mrs. Mills' body for the autopsy that had never been performed. He also disposed of any rumors that Ku- the, Klu- the Ku Klux Klan was involved. Uh, I don't know for sure, because the pictures don't really make it clear, Yeah. but I've read other places. I think she was... A different race okay. than like I think it was like an uh, interracial thing hmm. is why the the KKK had been uh, suspected. I think I might even get to it later on in this, but um, the pictures like all the pictures you can find look more like like drawings. Yeah. So I really can't tell what's going on, and there's bad artists. And you don't see color either, which is what I like about you. That's right. Um, you know, I got that weird thing in my brain that I, I can't see things. Thanks for bringing it up. Um, Mrs. Hall, Francis, uh, hired a private investigator to look at her husband's death. Both bodies were uh, exhumed and autopsies were performed once again. Hall had been killed with a single bullet and he had some uh, cuts and stuff on his hands particularly on the back of the right index finger and left little finger. There was a small bruise on the tip of his left ear and a cut five inches below the right kneecap on the calf of the leg. That sucks. Yeah. I can't feel good. Um, 
Mrs. Mills was more decomposed than Hall. Although they Women always decompose always... faster than men. Like, They're trying to be equal. I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, what a dick. She should decompose faster, even though they uh, assumed that they were she was killed first. The three bullet wounds were examined, and oh. attention was paid to the extreme degree of violence to the throat. The windpipe was severed, as was the esophagus, uh, but they failed to look inside her mouth which would later reveal something else of interest. I don't know what that means yet. Uh, That's the first thing I do with the girl, look at just, her mouth. Just grab her <laughs> mouth. And, yeah. Uh, finally, in October, an arrest was made. Miss Hall was entertaining when the police cars pulled up. Willie came to the door and was ordered to get into the car. He was taken to the Somerset, Somerset County Courthouse for investigation. Uh, sometime later, Miss Hall noticed that Willie was missing, and reported this to police. So, there was like a party going on after her, you know, husband's been found murdered. She's like throwing a party yeah. for some guests. And at some point, her brother just gets arrested and no one notices. Uh, while a half a dozen men... Oh. So, she knows he was missing. He was actually at the police station. She reported it to the police... And the police sent half a dozen men searching for him. So. Stand up police work. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> on Sunday, uh, he was ended up, he was released later and was, re- and was returned home. On Sunday, October 8th, four more people were brought in for questioning. The couple who had found the bodies and uh, two other suspects, Clifford Hayes and Leon Kaufman. Kaufman was 16 and he had some interesting things to say. On September 14th, uh, Hayes, who was was, was Clifford Hayes, uh, had a gun, was like walking around showing off, off his gun. Uh, Pearl, I can't keep track of who all the fuck these people are. Pearl, Pearl was a 15-year-old girl, yeah. right? Okay. She found the body. Uh, yeah. Bodies. So... Pearl was with another man uh, while Hayes was walking around with a gun. Um, and when they went searching for them, they couldn't find him. So they finally just eventually left. Pearl had said that the other man was her father and he was drunk and she was just trying to like walk it off, help him walk it off. Uh, they had been followed and abused by the three boys is what the statement is given now. So... October 9th, a statement was issued to the press that Clifford Hayes was being charged with the murders based on a signed statement made by Schneider. It was a case of mistaken identity. He had thought the couple to be Pearl and her companion. Mm. The explanation failed to account for many things, such as why the woman's cut throat was cut, why the love letters were torn, yeah. and why the corpse was proposed. Uh, the prosecutor was certain that they had the killer, though, but he was wrong. <laughs> He wanted to be so right. Sure. You know what? I said this earlier that it wasn't going to be involved, but I was wrong. Shortly thereafter, Pearl Bomber's father was jailed for incest. Oh. And he claimed that Schneider was the killer. And then Pearl was jailed for incorrigibility. So I think that's just like, uh, basically like interrupting an investigation, I would yeah. say. Getting in the way. Yeah. Uh... Soon after, two bloodstained handkerchiefs were turned into the police. One had no identifying marks, 
but the other was a woman's handkerchief inhaled initially. I don't know how I came up with inhaled. Initialed in one corner with letter S. Another discovery, this one by Charlotte Mills, was a package of love letters from Hall to Eleanor and Hall's diary. Mills immediately sold these for five hundred dollars to the New York American. Damn. Interrogation. Make a money. Yeah. Well, she already has money. Yeah, make a little more. Or I don't money. know who Charlotte is. There's way too many people in this fucking story. <laughs> uh, interrogations were set up for Mrs. Hall, her brothers, and Charlotte Mills. Henry Stevens, the older brother of Francis, admitted that the handkerchief was, with the S on it, was his. Mrs. Hall was asked to don the coat she had worn earlier the morning, September 15th, and to stand for the scrutiny of a strange, unnamed woman. No arrests were made. Dr. John Anderson released an analysis of the soil from beneath the bodies, concluding that Mrs. Mills had been shot before her throat was cut, and that the couple was murdered where they were found. The prosecutor then said that he found a witness who had seen three men and one woman murder Hall and Mills that night. And uh, one of the suspects denied that there had been, or one of the uh, defense attorney for them denied that there had actually been any eyewitnesses. Finally, the state of New Jersey took over. Justice Parker of the New Jersey Supreme Court claims jurisdiction. That's a cool name. Justice. Justice Parker, yeah, yeah. and he works for the Supreme Court. Hell yeah, that's a sitcom or a TV show. A sitcom, I like a sitcom better. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it'd be like the new Night Court. Is that what it's called? Yeah. yeah. Uh, a chauffeur, a chauffeur, a chauffeur. Frank's sister came forward to say that neither the prosecutor nor Stricker, who I believe was a uh, one of the police officers, actually not a lawyer had questioned him about what he'd seen on Thursday night and had reported. He reported that two cars parked on or near uh, the road that the bodies were found on Mm -hmm. had license plates on them, but both were unlit up except for the taillights. This report revived rumors of clan involvement. I don't know why that would do that, but... uh, Then the identity of the anonymous eyewitness was revealed. Jane... Jane Gibson, better known as the Pig Woman. Okay. What she had, you know. She's single? Always blaming on the Pig Woman. Yep. What she had to say would amaze everyone. Oink, oink. The Pig Woman. (laughs) (laughs) That was good. The Pig Woman lived with her son in a converted barn near the road where the bodies were found. The pig woman lived in a barn. And she raised hogs. Okay. She told police that her dogs were barking around 9 o'clock that her Thursday night. Hurt. I say. I was getting ready to say. She doesn't really understand what she's All reporting All right, man. Here. We understand. But can we talk <laughs> about the murder? But my dogs are barking. We get it. You can sit down. Here's a chair. Uh, a pig? She, she had seen the figure of a man in her cornfield. To ward off thieves, she mounted her mule and went after him. <laughs> But what did they do after they fucked? <laughs> the pig woman wears the pants in this family. And the on the mule. She said she spotted four figures near a crab apple tree. Then heard a sharp report. Which I'm assuming is like a gunshot. And one of the figures fell to the ground. A woman screamed, don't, don't, don't. Gibson turned her mule away. Heard a volley of gunshots. And saw another person slump to the ground. 
Then she heard a woman shout, Henry. She said she had tried telling the story. Henry! At the love shack! All right, sorry. She had said... <laughs> Remember that? I do. The B-52s? Yep. She said she had tried telling the story to the police, um, but they had been too busy to pay her any attention. Probably because she was a pig woman. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, no one's going to trust the pig woman. <laughs> Get out of here, pig lady. Ah, I'm scram. A, I'm a pig woman. All right, whatever you say, pig girl. Oink, oink. She the story she the story she told sounded good, but conflicted with Hall's autopsy report, which indicated someone standing above him had shot him. Stricker thought Gibson's account was good stuff, but be- good stuff, kid. <laughs> good stuff, well, that's piggy. Not, that's not condescending <laughs> at all. Good stuff. But but Beekman found it all too vague for a grand jur- a grand jury. Uh. Special Prosecutor Mott called it his most valuable evidence, particularly since the pig woman says she could identify the killers. This poor lady. <laughs> 98 goddamn years later, she's still there. She can't just be whatever her name is, lived by the crime scene. She's going to be fucking pig woman. I mean, you could have remembered her name, and you didn't. <laughs> I didn't. So, you only got yourself to blame. I'd like to pork her, though. Now? Yes. Is she here? Um, Do you have her body? <laughs> yeah, that's one of the few I don't have. It decomposed pretty quickly. Good. As a woman's, as a woman, you know body how women does. are. Can't hang around very long. With reporters Aww. eager to hear. What? Baby leaving. Uh, she provided further details. She had op- She had noticed an open touring car parked on the road, uh, Easton Avenue. Like that scene by the chauffeur. Uh, the Halls owned a touring car. I don't exactly know what a touring car means. But whatever, they owned one. And I think they're the rich ones, so yeah. it's like a nice car, I would say. It was when she turned around and cut across a field down a small lane that she saw two men and two women standing near the ap- the crab apple tree, arguing bitterly. A car coming in the lane behind her illuminated the people, and she saw a woman in a long gray coat and a man with a dark mustache and bushy hair, walking towards the abandoned farm. A little later, she said she heard a woman ask, How do you explain these notes? Then she added another item. She had seen Mrs. Mills run away after Hall's murder, and they caught her and dragged her back, shooting her three times. But that wasn't all. The pig woman soon recalled something else. She had lost a moccasin, and at 1 a.m. rode back to look for it. As she came near the crabapple tree, she heard a woman crying. She went near and saw Miss Hall kneeling next to her husband's body, sobbing. She was later to say that she had seen a big lady with white hair. So, that's apparently what Frances looks like. Yep. She's a big lady with white hair. Said the pig woman. Said <laughs> the pig woman. Miss Fraley, who's definitely not related to uh, the guy from Three's Company, Mr. Farley, I think that was his name. <laughs> Wasn't that the? Uh, I, thought, I thought it was Fraley. I don't know, who lived directly across from the the Lovers Lane, uh, contradicted her story. She had heard none of the sounds described by Gibson, nor had any of her boarders, her roommates, or whatever, or whatever. In fact, she had seen Gibson right after the murders, and the hog farmer had said nothing. The pig woman vehemently described her, defended her story to all who challenged her. You don't fucking challenge the pig lady. No. Pig woman. She tells the truth. And she's got a she's got a fucking like nickname. <laughs> so 
She's got a reputation. That's right. Hold. Uh, reporters soon dug up some information that put her credibility into doubt. She's Turns not out, really a big woman at all. <laughs> she's just a human bum, woman. Bum, bum. She said that her deceased husband had been a minister when, in fact, he was not dead and was actually a toolmaker. Oh. It's a weird thing to lie about. The man William Easton refused to talk, saying only that she had a that she had a brilliant mind. Gibson denied that Easton was her husband. She also claimed that she had told reporters one story, authorities another, and would offer a third on the witness stand. So she's admitting that she lied, yeah. <laughs> but at the same time saying she's not lying. See, if you believe it, it's not a lie. And then her husband's just like, look, I don't know. She's the pig woman. <laughs> yeah. I don't know what you want me to tell you. She's smart, I'm I guess. I'm make some hoes. Like, I'm just, I'm just trying to get through my day as a toolmaker here. Yeah. I don't know. I'm married to the pig woman. Yeah. I mean... Around that time, the two or two women discovered two unexploded cartridges about 100 feet from the crabapple tree. Mason ordered state troopers to close it off and make a more thorough search. Because that's what you want to do a month after. Yeah. Two months after. In November, Jane Gibson identified... That's the pig woman, by the way. Jane Gibson. Jane Gibson. So you remember her name. I will. I'm going to tattoo it on my neck. At the end of this episode, I'm asking... At the end of the story, I'm asking you what her name was. You can't write it down. Okay. I'll forget what it is. You tell me anything. JG, that's your initials. I know. You're definitely going to say it was Joe <laughs> Um. So the pig woman identified Henry Carpenter, with a D, as the actual murderer. He lived two, two doors down from the Halls and was their first cousin. His brother had officially identified Hall's body. That was a passing motorist. But Henry offered an alibi. An early dinner with his wife at home and some friends, leaving around 1030. Several people knew... The pig woman came forward to attest to her unreliability, claiming she was unknown around the neighborhood as a liar. Or she was known around the neighborhood as a liar. Hey, I wouldn't even believe anything I say. That's all I do is lie. Oh. Uh, what she's saying. Or no, there were people that came forward oh, to say, you know, she's nothing but a, she's nothing but a pig-faced liar. Pig-faced liar, I don't think I yep. said that, but... Uh, George this Coon... This bacon ain't frying. I don't know. George Coon, who owned a cigar store... Uh, reported that Willie had came in on September 19th and asked him to deny any rumors that the family had anything to do with the murders. This was long before That's the... That's what innocent people do, though. Yeah. Yeah. This was long before the pig woman had even gave any sort of statement. Uh, let me see. Let's see where I'm at here. Uh, finally, on November 20th, a grand jury was convened. After five days and 67 witnesses... No action was taken, and the matter was over. Although there were assurances from the authorities that the case would still get attention, few people believed that. For the next four years, people got on with their lives. Jesus. Francis moved to Europe, and everyone lived happily ever after. But Well, except the people that were brutally killed. Right. Uh, so, Luis Geist was a maid that worked for the Hall family. And she had married a guy named Arthur. And after they had separated, he discovered uh, that she had withheld knowledge about the activities of the family. He claimed that she had told Mrs. Hall on September 14th, which I think was the, the day the bodies were found, or two nights before the bodies were found, that Hall, yeah, it was two nights before the bodies were found, He had, she had told Mrs. Hall that the Reverend had plans to elope with Eleanor, and she actually went with Miss Hall 
and Willie Stevens that night, driven by the chauffeur, and received $5,000 for keeping quiet about what she knew. Uh, Luis, which is the maid, claimed that this tale was a pack of lies. The newspapers picked up the story and raced outdo one another in tabloid sensationalism. One item of interest was that Trooper Henry Dixon, who was independently investigating the case, had mysteriously disappeared in June 1923. Uh, many people believe he was paid to drop off the investigation. So, yeah, this guy's saying that the maid, the wife of the Reverend, their chauffeur, and her brother Willie. So it'd be the two women and two men. So that's who the pig woman saw. Yeah. So that makes sense. Maybe old Jane Gibson wasn't lying. <laughs> Look at you remembering. I you remembered f- it. Well, you wrote Jane. <laughs> you cheating bastard. Uh, so I cheated to get caught. Which I, I just caught you. Got caught. Okay. What'd you even write for? You actually wrote the whole name out. Jesus. Um, arrest warrants were issued for Willie Stevens. Wait a minute, I skipped something here. Uh, give me just a second. Okay. Hey, where's his name at? Um, this is what happens when I don't completely prepare for shit. A state senator, Alexander Simpson, Simpson, he was a lawyer, took over the case, and was horrified by the amount of evidence that was gone, <laughs> including Willie Stevens' gun, which was given back to him, and had been disabled long what before... What if he has to kill somebody else? That's exactly right. he got to give him back his gun. He interviewed the pig woman and announced his intention to proceed with the trial, with the uh, case. Very shortly thereafter... Pig woman, dude. Jim Mills had, no, had admitted... That he had indeed known about the affair his wife was having, and that he had threatened divorce, but had not had the time or money for it. Threatened divorce. Did not have the time for it. I just don't have the time for I'm this divorce. I'm about to take my janitor ass somewhere else <laughs> if you don't stop this shit, okay? Like in the other room. Yeah. Uh, arrest warrants were issued for Willie Stevens and Henry Carpenter. A hearing was scheduled that took four days, and in the end, after 50. 50 Fitty? Fitty. Witnesses were called. Bail was denied for both men as they were commended to go before a grand jury. It was Simpson's contention that Miss Hall had gotten caught up in a murder, but she herself had not done it. There were people, however, who claimed that she had hired someone to do the job and was therefore guiltier than what Simpson was saying. Another investigation was launched, which sought to break down Henry Stevens' alibi and which brought forth a testimony from Ralph Gorslin, who was also once rumored to have an affair with Mrs. Mills. The man admitted that he had been on the lover's lane the night of the murder. He had turned there around 10.20 p.m. and had begun to back out when he heard a shot, a woman scream, and then three more shots. The scream died to a moan and then stopped altogether. Grand jury testimony included a report from a man who had seen scratches on Miss Hall's face, Ooh. On the day of her husband's funeral, so that'd be Miss Hall. On the day of her husband's funeral, so after the murder, so maybe she was. In a oh yeah, 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 yeah. She was. In a I know who we're talking about again yeah. now. It's just so many names. Uh, there was a, so, or she was. Yeah, so during the murders, there was a, and then they said they saw, uh, Hen, the Reverend's fingers had like. 
marks and stuff on him. Yeah. So it was like he'd been trying to fight somebody off or something. Um, the grand jury uh, indicted Mrs. Hall, her two brothers, and Henry Carpenter of the murders of Reverend Hall and Mrs. Mills. Stevens was arrested and the four defendants were arraigned. Each pleaded not guilty and only Mrs. Hall was allowed to remain free on a substantial bail. Uh, then State Trooper Dickman, <laughs> who was located imprisoned in Alcatraz for des- uh, for desertion, was brought to New Jersey to give his statement. So one of the original troopers had deserted the... I don't know if he'd the, been in the war. Yeah, it's... But yeah, so he was... He just quit being a trooper? I don't... Yeah, there's no way it's that. Um, yeah, so he must have been, like, in the military at some point. He was brought in for uh, to give his statement. He said that he had been paid to drop his investigation and was paid to leave the state altogether. So maybe it is for uh, leaving the... Simpson then asked the car- that Carpenter be tried separately from the other three because the evidence against him was different and the request was granted. The first trial was scheduled for November 3rd. Prior to the start of the body, to the trial, both bodies were exhumed again. once more and uh, autopsies were once again performed. Uh, two Still dead. statements issued were that Eleanor Mills's tongue might have been cut out and that Hall was shot while either bending over or kneeling. The pig woman was taken to a safe place out of town. Miss Hall sat for a portrait to distribute to the press to correct the injustice done to her. She expected a full acquittal. The trial became a major media sensation of international proportions. Reporters flocked to Somersville, Somerville, New Jersey, and the Western Union had to hire additional telegraphers. Uh, Miss Hall and her brothers were, be, were to be tried first. The jury, all members of which were male and married, was selected in just over oh, an hour. Yeah. The three defendants were on trial for the murder of Miss Eleanor Mills. The evidence included Willie's fingerprint on the calling card found at Hall's feet, which I don't know how you got any... Everybody had been yeah. fucking with it. Miss Hall's been passed around like that chick that got killed. You know, hey, you know what I'm saying there? Yeah, I'm just saying. I hear you. Miss Hall's anonymous call to the police to inquire about uh, deaths. So remember when she called to report that her? Remember she called to see where her husband was and she like asked if there had been any dead bodies found. Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah, so that was a part of the evidence. They're probably dead. Right. Uh, Her brown coat that had been dyed black after the murders. And the fact that one of her private detectives was said to have tried to have been was said to have been bribed to leave the state and to drop the investigation. The first witness, an accountant named John Dixon, claimed that at eight thirty on September fourteenth, uh, Willie Stevens had stopped by his house to get directions to the Parker House, an institution for the elderly near the farm where the bodies were found. Uh, he and his wife had helped Willie get there. On the trolley to get there. Charlotte Mills, now 20, was next. Oh, so Charlotte was the daughter. That's who Charlotte is. The daughter of uh, Eleanor and... Or no, of uh, Francis. Right? Anyways. Whoever it was. (laughs) Of Eleanor. I don't know. She was the daughter of one of the couples, though. She was the daughter of Eleanor. She identified the letters her mother had written to Hall and noted that the last time she had seen her mother was when she had gone to make a phone call to Hall. She also identified letters from Hall to her mother, from Hall to her mother, that she had found. Uh, Another witness said she lived near the crime scene, 
and had heard four pistol shots on the night of the homicides. She also said that Henry Stevens had visited her after she moved to the Phillips farm. He inquired about a tragedy that had taken place there, uh, and he then walked away in an agitated state, nearly collapsing when he passed the spot where the bodies had been found. Um, Guilty conscious. Three fingerprint experts testified that the left index fingerprint of Willie Stevens was on the calling card found at the scene. But the third and most impressive witness was interrupted by news of the sudden failing state of the pig woman. Her physician came in and stated that her blood pressure and rising temperature would make any courtroom appearances detrimental to her health. The judges went to visit her in the hospital and stated that she did not seem to be at death's door and that they would resume trial and await further developments. Jim Mills was called as the next witness. He went through his story once again. Uh, and the defense's strategy was to make it appear that he himself might have been the murderer. Cast out. The Carter uncovered the fact that Mills had not made any inquiries about his missing wife among her relatives in town, nor to hospitals or police stations. So, like, he wasn't even looking. No. Because he he knew. knew. She out banging. The man's answer was that his wife sometimes left for a day or two without saying where she was going, and he just didn't really bother about it. Yeah. Uh, Sometimes your wife just leaves for a couple days. (laughs) Yeah, you don't hear from her. Yeah. You're like, what's she doing out there? Right. You don't know. You don't know. You go crazy trying to think. You go nuts. Yeah. Next thing you know, here you are doing a podcast. <laughs> um, what? What? I don't know. Uh, <clears throat> Henry Dickman was next, causing a flurry of anticipation since he had at one point completely disappeared. He described how he had interviewed Henry Stevens in early 1923 and the man had been evasive. Henry Dickman was one of the private investigators. Um, he said he had left the state because he had been paid $2,500 by the uh, prosecutor, hmm. Beekman, to leave the state. He later said that Henry Carpenter had paid him in the presence of the prosecutor, suggesting that the prosecutor was playing politics instead of doing his job. Uh, but... Henry Dickman was shown to be a deserter and a drunk and hardly a credible witness. Get out of here. In the meantime, the pig woman was still sick. Oh, my gosh. So Simpson had her moved to a hospital nearby where the diagnosis was remarkably different. She was not dying, the physician said, but ought not to leave the hospital for several several weeks. Simpson had other plans for her, though. Um, we'll get to that in a minute. Let me see here. Uh, so the main piece of physical evidence, the calling card with the fingerprint came under fire. Experts on both sides claimed that they could conclusively say it was Willie's, they could not, that they could conclusively say whether it was Willie's print. And yet there was a glaring fact that the card had been exposed, exposed to the elements for 36 hours, had been passed from hand to hand and had not been carefully handled as evidence. By the time of the trial, it would have been easy enough to have faked the print, but even so, to say that such a print was definitive either way defied the... something. My thumb just moved and I don't know where I went. Um, well, yeah, you can't say a fingerprint on a card that's been passed around the 30 people. And... Yeah, so to say, it was a, to say that it was definitive either way defied the art, the state of the art of fingerprinting at the time and ignored all the problems with his handling. 
Dr. Otto Schultz, who had performed the latest autopsies, described what he believed had happened that night, claiming the likelihood that Hall had been struggling to get the gun when it went off, and then announcing that Mrs. Mills' tongue had indeed been cut off, along with the larynx. He also mentioned that there was a cut in her abdomen, which pointed back to the two undertakers who, without authority, had opened her womb to see if she was pregnant. So that's where that cut came from. Right. You know how the undertakers are. Sure. Yeah. They just want to check wounds. Either going to cut you open or tombstone you. Hey, One get your two. own womb, buddy. Get a womb, buddy. Uh, uh, <laughs> see. So, after all of this, the pig woman was brought in on a stretcher as the prosecution's star witness. And I got a picture of that for you. I bet the pig woman loved all the attention. So there she is. Why is she a pig woman again? I don't understand. Because she's a pig farmer. Oh, okay. That's it. That's the only reason. <laughs> oh, my God. So a pig woman? <laughs> These two guys are ghosts. Yep. So there's a third guy's a ghost. But, yeah, so there she is. She's dying. I mean... She looks like it anyways. Let's bring her in here. See what she has to say. Yeah. So there's the key witness. Is uh, Here's all of the suspects, by the way. Oh, my God. So that's the Reverend. Yeah, there's Mills. That's Eleanor. That's the Reverend's wife. It's the uh, Eleanor's husband. There's Willie, who... What's up with his mouth? That's Willie's uh, fireman's hat. There you go. Oh, yeah, that's the brother. He's a little... Yep. Charlotte, that's the, the daughter. daughter. Uh, I don't remember who Raymond Schneider was. There's Pearl and Clifford. So, yeah. None then. So, Eleanor wasn't, I don't think, a different... I don't think she was. So, either. I don't know why the KKK were being brought in. Was like, Mr. Hall or the rapper? No. Well, I dragged the KKK's name yeah. through the mud. You know what I mean? You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to edit that part out. Nope. Okay. It's in there forever. All right, cool. Um... The defense seated her mother in front to see if this might rattle her, the pig woman. As Gibson was brought in, her mother shouted, She is a liar! Liar, liar, liar! Pants on fire! This is her mother. Yeah. <laughs> Nevertheless, Gibson told her story, claiming that Mrs. Hall, Willie Stevens, and Henry Stevens were there on the lover's lane that night. Uh, she seemed to have forgotten that in her earlier statement she'd seen only two people, but whatever. She had seen Henry Stevens and another man wrestling with a gun when it went off. Then she told how Mrs. Hall's I've got to quit doing what I'm doing. Um, then she told how Mrs. Hall's detective had warned her to keep her mouth shut. No. So that was probably Henry Dickman. Yeah. You know, living Old up to his name. Drunk Dickman. Old drunky Dickman. With Henry fairly well cleared, Willie was next. Uh, Jesus Christ, I don't know how to use a tablet, but I'm learning during this podcast. Uh, just a second. I have a brand new tablet for you listening at home. Brag! And I don't know how to fucking use it. I don't ever use tablets, so this is... Uh, He's got two left thumbs. I've got 19 thumbs, my God. 19 thumbs. I call Let's him see. Thumb Man. He farms them. Where the fuck am I at? You talk for a minute, Joe. Okay. We're talking. <laughs> Keep talking. About the pig woman? Anything you want. Yeah, so like if you're a fertility doctor or you like the dick doctor, like is he going to come up later? Whatever you do is what you are. Sunglasses man? Glasses man. I've always called you that. <laughs> You've always. <laughs> okay. 
I think I figure out where I'm at. All right, let's go, Thumb Boy. <laughs> no, I don't like that. I don't. I don't do thumbs. When the defense came on, they presented enough witnesses to make Henry Stevens' alibi credible. It appeared that he'd only been named because the prosecution four years earlier had decided that it would have required an expert marksman to shoot the victims. Since Gibson had heard the name Henry yelled, and Stevens was a marksman and a relative, he had been railroaded into being a, 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 a suspect. Um, but Henry Carpenter was who was another suspect who could have been the Henry he was known to relatives as Harry so Mrs. Hall would not have called out Henry to address him so it was if there was somebody out there maybe when you kill people you just act a little more formal maybe um so Henry was cleared Willie was next he surprised and delighted most of the audience by holding his own with the prosecutor through simple logic and by keeping steadfastly to his story. Simpson could not break him and was made to look like a fool. Oh, Willie. Oh, Willie got you. Yep. You don't mess with Willie. Time to hang it up when Willie gets you. That's right. Should have asked him about fires and yeah. distracted. Um, it came out that the first time Jane Gibson had seen the defendants and had been asked to identify them, she was unable to do so. Then a farmer, George Sipple claimed that Gibson had offered him money to say that he had seen her the night that night on the Lover's Lane and that he had also seen two men and two women by the cars parked there. Pig Woman up to something. So Pig Woman just wants some, like, fame. Yeah. Like, she wants to be involved in this. She just wants to be anything other than the Pig Woman. Pretty much. Uh, Miss Hall, Francis, was next to take the stand. Simpson went after her for her statement she had made to James Mills that she believed the two missing spouses to be dead. They're dead. They're dead. They're definitely dead. If I had to guess, I'd say they're dead. They're dead. I don't even have to guess, though, because I know they're shot, dead. shot, like, one time for the one, three for the other. Yeah, like, the throat cut maggots were in the throat, probably. I don't know. Um, probably cut above, like, below the knee. Yeah. That probably had to hurt. They're dead. They're dead. Um, she could only respond that this had seemed obvious to her when they did not, the night they did not return home. <laughs> That's my first instinct. <laughs> dead. That's... But he's dead. Uh, Simpson wondered why she had not mentioned her... Uh, 2 a.m. trip to the church and to Mrs. Mills' house until after someone had reported seeing her there. But it wasn't a strong enough case to like do anything. So with the defense rested, and after several, several rebuttal witnesses were called, there had been 157 people brought to the stand. Jesus. 87 for the prosecution, 70 for the defense. What a shit show. Oddly, the people who had actually discovered the bodies were never called as witnesses. Uh, Ann McCarter, which was, uh, I think, one of the attorneys, something like that, found that to be suspicious. Uh, yep, yet Simpson found it equally suspicious that McCarter had not called witnesses who repeatedly could have contradicted Jane Gibson. It was a record-breaking trial, and even the New York Times devoted some 90 front-page articles to it, compared to only 62 in 1922. Uh, Simpson immediately moved for a mistrial on the grounds of jury misconduct, saying that they had not even paid attention, that they were openly hostile, and that they had not been properly guarded. He got nowhere with this, so he gave his closing remarks, listened to the defense, who attempted to make Jim Mills into a suspect, and while the jury deliberated, uh, Simpson returned to Jersey City, 
leaving his uh, junior prosecutor there to hear the decision in his place. The jury took three separate votes, which were 10 to 2, 11 to 1, and then unanimous. Over the five hours and eight minutes that they deliberated, they reached a verdict, however. They had decided to quit all three defendants. None had believed the pig woman's story, but they had been worried over the fingerprint evidence. Soon the other charges were dismissed and the three men were released from custody. The pig woman heard the news in her hospital bed and stated, well, can you beat that? <laughs> Within five minutes, she was asleep. <laughs> so, Oh, well, go ahead and accepted the loss. Yep. Eventually, Mrs. Hall, Henry Carpenter, and Willie Stevens sued the New York Daily Mayor, Mirror, <clears throat> the leading tabloid at the time, for libel, and it was settled out of court. No one else was ever accused of these crimes. No murder weapon was ever found. Jesus. And the evidence never led anywhere. Although the 1922 double homicide is still unsolved, there are numerous theories as to who the killer was. So we're just about done here, but let's go over these theories real quick and see which one we think's see which we think's uh, the right one. I already know what happened. All right, well, you tell me that real quick. Yeah, the 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 uh, the wife. Mm-hmm. I, I totally believe it was the wife and some sort of people. Yeah. I mean, not by herself, but the rip up Got love letter. Her, blo- her brother. The, the cut the chick's fucking throat. It was most likely. Three times. It was most likely the. Uh, I don't know if the husband had anything to do with it. Yeah, the janitor. I don't husband. know if he did or not. He doesn't seem like he actually. See, I think it's the wife, too, because she covered up the husband's face and only mm-hmm. shot him once. And that's yeah. my guess. So there you go. Yeah. That's, not OJ. I'm with you. Let's see if any of these other theories change our mind. Uh, The first theory, the Ku Klux Klan did it as vigilante justice because they frowned on loose morals and because they might oppose the bodies in the way that they were posed. Uh, William Kunstler (laughs) offers this theory in his book, (laughs) and the main problem with it is is that the Klan generally leaves some clear messages that it's their work, and there was nothing to indicate that they did that at all. So that's probably... I mean... They frowned on loose morals. I know. Like, they were all fucking other... I mean, they were fucking each other. The Klan The KKK definitely fuck each other. Yeah. That's a fact. Is it really? The KKK, the Ku Klux Klan... putting this on wax right now? Putting this on wax. All fuck each other. Okay. And the asses at all their little get-togethers. That's white power, pretty much. Pretty much. Yeah. They all love to fuck each other in the ass. The second theory... <laughs> on the rector... <laughs> on the rector desk. <laughs> Their anal plates are divided all the time. Uh, second theory. Mrs. Hall, Francis, did it by herself out of revenge. She was the only person the night watchman saw go into her house at 2.30 a.m. that Friday morning. Two witnesses saw her car, saw a car like hers out near the crime scene. However, her aversion to all the publicity speaks against this. Since it would be obvious the two victims were caught caught in adultery and she took great pains to say that her husband was not involved in such an affair but she did rip up the notes but what still, is it she ripped up the notes so well whoever killed her yeah. ripped up the notes yeah but then posed them in a way where they looked like they were definitely together yeah yeah that's her. um third theory is james mills did it eleanor's husband because he knew his wife was unfaithful and she had A challenged fucking cheating bitch and she had challenged him that night to follow her However, several people saw him working on the window boxes on his porch. Even so, he did leave around 10.30 to go to the church. The time of the death was never officially established, only loosely estimated to be around 10. But no one really pursued this lead. 
So, no one really even looked into. Hasn't the, he been through enough, Josh? Husbands, I mean, hasn't he already been through enough? I mean, he's just trying I, to work okay. a job, maybe yep. provide for his wife. Uh huh. Okay. Okay. And that's not enough for her. That's not. Yeah. I mean, I yeah. Sure, marry her when she's seventeen. Yeah, probably shouldn't have done that. <laughs> no. I mean, just don't get married. Like. You marry a young girl, and all you are is like a janitor. Yeah. Young... All you are is you don't deserve love, Janet. Well, I mean, and if you're out there and you're a janitor, get fucked. Yeah, uh, if you married a young girl, yeah. like an underage girl, Janitors like are... she's probably going to eventually, at some point, expect more. She's probably attracted to that janitor lifestyle at first, <laughs> you know. He has all the best cleaning supplies. Yeah. But then that just wasn't enough to sustain. <clears throat> it's. So she went for that church dance. That's <coughs> a tale as old as time. Yep. Fourth. <laughs> I just suddenly can't fucking breathe. Hold <laughs> on. I just started like a 90-year-old man when I went to say fourth. <clears throat> fourth theory. Miss Hall and Willie did it, with Willie being the killer. It was an accident, though. Uh, he accidentally... So he accidentally did it with his pistol... Which Miss Hall quickly disposed of. Or with a different pistol, which Miss Hall quickly disposed of. Willie also posed the bodies and cut Eleanor's throat because when rage overtook him, he didn't know what he was doing. Yeah. So was it an accident or not? I feel like maybe in that scenario, maybe he accidentally killed the Reverend and then wanted to blame it on someone, so maybe he just totally went fucking nuts on the on the chick. Right. Uh, he had sent clothes to be dry cleaned the following day, and they were handed over to the police because they had suspicious spots on them, but the outfit was was lost. Because, you know, yeah. good police work in the 20s. Sure. Uh, he was also quite agitated the next morning and made several remarks to the effect that he'd been up all night, that there was some trouble, and the people would soon hear about it. Uh, his buddies at the fire station seemed to think he knew about the murders before the bodies were discovered, but they offered nothing substantial at Willie's trial. Nevertheless, Willie's rage does not sufficiently explain why he nearly cut off Eleanor's head or took the time to remove her tongue. Well, I mean, if he's if the the sister was you know telling him how, how to, you know what's going on, she's fucking you know she's gonna break up my marriage. And you think he'd be more angry at the husband though? Yeah. Because I mean, he lived with them. But he was friendly with the husband, you know. Maybe that's. You think that'd be more of a betrayal? Yeah. So unless he just blames it on the woman, like. It's her fault. Why, why are you looking at me like that for? <laughs> I saw your eyes light up. <laughs> and I saw your mouth start to go. Uh, Maybe it wasn't all her fault. Uh, so remember the guy that had that also had an affair one time? Yeah. With Eleanor? So maybe him. Maybe him. Because he was angry um, and jealous. And uh, he and a woman who wanted the minister for herself often spied on the two. So... He wanted Eleanor. There was another she woman that wanted him. the Reverend. So these two spied on the other two, like we talked about earlier, like the the uh, the jealous, the other two people that were jealous mm-hmm. or whatever. Like they got mad because the other two were fucking better or whatever. Um, they should have just fucked each other. Didn't, they never thought about that. No. <laughs> they never in their time together thought about it. Uh, he admitted finally to having been near the crime scene that night when the murder was going down. The day after the... The day after, um, the police questioned him. His car caught on fire and burned to a shell. There seems to be no doubt he knew more than he ever admitted. 
Sixth theory, a jealous rival of Eleanor who wanted the attention of Ralph Gorsling. There were others in the choir and in the church who hated Mills for being favored by the minute, the uh, reverend as well. A few days after the murders, someone tore out several hymns, hymnals, on which Hall and Mills's favorite hymn was printed. Ooh. The favorite suspect is Minnie Clark, a plump school teacher, but there's no evidence against her. God damn, they were so mean back in their reporting. <laughs> this poor, fat, poorly lonely woman is a suspect. For the petite, pretty... We call her a pig woman. But old Jane Gibson over there took that name. She was as smelly as she was fat. (laughs) Unlovable by most people's standards. A real piece of shit when it comes right down to it. Oh, seventh theory. It's like Fox News or some shit. (laughs) It is. Francis had hired an assassin. Um, a one-time friend of Willie, Julius Baliog, which is not a real name, claimed some 48 years later that on the day after the murders, Willie hired him to carry two envelopes, each filled with $6,000, to two young men in the New Brunswick alley. But the act of hiring thugs does not fit well with the character of Francis. She would not risk everything on such low lives. Yeah. Such fucking that's not, poor, that's not a thug's shitty work people. To freaking cover up someone's face, right? And like cut through someone's throat. Yeah, yeah. They would just two shots. Yeah, two shots. Yeah, them where they yeah. were. Uh, eighth theory: just some random thug did it to rob them. Nope. But again, why cut out the the yeah. tongue? Why slice her throat so bad? Um, there was even some speculation that. There was somebody kind of like a Lizzie Borden, just some lunatic. But uh, people were generally not organized enough to pose bodies. Those kind of people are not usually organized enough yeah. to pose bodies to the point of leaning a calling card against a foot. Uh, it's a possibility. It's just some random person, but that's very unlikely. Um, some random fat, maybe skinny. Smelly, but probably not. Maybe not. Probably fat. <laughs> yeah. Probably pig-faced. Probably just miserable and... Just disgusting human life. You know what I mean? Oh, I've seen them. Theory 9, Ray Schneider did it. He thought the couple in the dark lane were his girlfriend and the man that he had seen with her, which turned out to have been her own father. So Ray Schneider is, uh, I think, the dude from the beginning. Okay, yeah. So he thought that, uh, yeah, so they're saying that he thought it was the 15-year-old and her, or he thought it was, yeah, the 15-year-old and another man. Which turned out she was actually with her father the whole time. Which yep. then he went to jail for incest. Like that seems like a whole other story. <laughs> um, however, whoever killed them did so at close range, not more than three feet away, probably closer. So there was uh, not a whole lot of chance of mistaken identity there. Uh, but he actually, but he very may well have stolen the Reverend's watch and money. Then the tenth and final theory. Do you have any guesses as to what the final theory is here? Murder suicide. The pig woman did it. Oh, okay. The defense made this suggestion. Are you talking about Jane Gibson? The one and same. <laughs> okay. Pig woman Jane Gibson. The defense made the suggestion as within the realm of possibility, given the many inconsistency in her story. But she had no motive, no pistol, 
and no awareness of who the couple even was. Maybe she's just tired of being called the pig woman. <laughs> Maybe. I mean, Jesus Christ, call me pig man for like a couple years. Let's see if I don't kill some people. All right, pig man. Oh, here we go. Here we go. To this day, the murders remain unsolved. Let's go to New Jersey and solve this shit. Is that what this podcast is going to end up being? Like yeah. us being like, you know what? <laughs> Fuck this. We're tired of injustice. Let's go. We're going to, let's first, we got to go to Germany. Justice? We got to go to Germany. We got to figure out what kind of fucking, what, what was the uh, animal? Goat? Goat ghost. ghost goat yep. ghost. Yep. So we got to figure out how that happened. Got to do that. Then, uh, on up the road to Clarksburg. We'll fly back here. Yeah. Go to Clarksburg. And then we'll. Go to California. Well, we figured out. They know who did that one. It was yeah. the pig, it was the uh, pig man. Yeah. He had the pig eyes. Yeah. So, Fucker. then we'll go to Australia, beat up some emus. <laughs> New Jersey. Or we'll just beat up the fucking Australian military. You have a credit card, right? Yeah. Okay, good. I feel like like the em- the emus, I'm on their side. Yeah, they won me over. Like, the fucking military had guns. Yeah. That's not fair. Fucking stupid. So what we do is we go and we train the emus in how to shoot weapons. What if we train the emus how to solve murders? Then a bunch more murders can get solved. Yeah. I like how you're thinking. I like this. Can I be the emu man? Yeah. Yeah. That's a lot harder to say. It is. But whatever, I'm down. Well, Emu Man, you got anything else? <laughs> what do you think? Yeah, I mean, so I your just, theory, me and you were on the same page, I think. That poor janitor. <laughs> right? I feel is, like that, you, is that what page we're I on? feel like you really identify with the janitor <laughs> poor in all of this. working smuck, man. He's just, just trying to provide a life. You know, it's just not enough. What, though, if... I mean, the story we get is... You know, Eleanor's cheating on him, yeah. whatever. But what if he was also... He's a janitor yeah. in New Jersey. Sure. He was probably abusive, is my guess. Married, get married or young. Married or young. But still, this poor guy. <laughs> this poor guy. <laughs> no, no, I, I, think it's, I think it was the wife. So, so no so, compassion for the, the poor wife, though. <laughs> uh, She's in the same situation. Yeah. Well, she married a preacher. They can't... Can they? And it's even worse, because she's got money. Yeah. And it's not enough for this guy. It's not. So, I mean, it's almost, yeah, it's, you know, it's, it's... on one side you got a woman that has too much, mo- there's so much money and it's not good enough. Other side, there's a guy that doesn't have any money. He's not good enough. Yep. Those two should have just got together, just I think. Fuck. People just want to fuck. People just want to fuck. And at the end of the day, that's what this all comes down to. Yep. People just want to fuck. We solved it. Solved it. Solved it. Another case solved by middle-aged mediocre boys. Yeah. Well, uh, I don't know how much more police work we can do tonight, but I say we call it. Come back next week. Solve some more crimes. Let's get off here and fuck. No. For the last time, no. Quit trying to use this public (laughs) forum to pick me up. Okay. All right, this was a long one. It was. We apologize. I was ill-prepared, but Joel was prepared Illy, ill, welly. Yeah. You had a good. You, that was good. Like you pretty much had me. Baked, half baked. Like what? Yeah, Abba Zabba gave it away. Yeah. Yeah. Abracadabra. Abba Zabba. Abracadabra, yo. That's what I. What's the Abba Zabba bars? That Abba Zabba was in there, but I said Abracadabra because that was the word that at the end when they were undercover. That's right. That's right. High in the van, he's like Abracadabra. That's right. Abracadabra. So you saying that though made me think of Abba Zabba bars, and that's how I got it. So you, I, yeah, you almost had me with the very first one. So it was good that you went with like a. The description made it sound like it was a, like a serious, 
drama. It wasn't. So I can't wait till next week. That's what we're gonna do. Keep going. I'm one for one right now. Yeah. So let's see well, how I can. I mean, you were out there. I pretty much spelled it out for you. I still got it. <laughs> I still got it. You never lost it. <laughs> we'll see you next week. Uh, let us know what you think. Follow us. Subscribe. Fuck us. Uh, for the <laughs> God damn it, Joel. Uh, like our stuff. Share it with your friends. Tell the world. Yeah, tell everyone. We're solving murders, people. Pig woman. Pig woman. An emu boy. Yep. We out. Wait, am I pig woman? <laughs>